Hello, listener. Welcome to Marching In, a dedicated Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music comes from Lawrence Norton. If you want to stay up to date with the pod and find out about future guests and upcoming episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Marching In Pod. Hello, listener. Welcome to another episode of the Marching In Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Saints made it four losses from four. It's just the two of us today, Sam, to dissect that and talk everything Southampton Football Club. Let's start with how you are doing. Yeah, I mean, they say no news is good news, but uh, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that at this moment <laughs> in time. But no, I, I'm good. I'm good. Frantically refreshing Twitter, are we? Um, no, it's just sort of, I mean, it's just such a weird situation we're in now. You just sort of feel like he's going to go, but he hasn't gone yet. It just seems like a bit of a limbo, doesn't it? It does. And look, we're going to start with the City game. We'll obviously talk Ralph around that as well. But I saw reports in the Times from maybe Sunday it was, and I said as much on Twitter, but that he has the the West Ham game to save his job. And, you know, if we lose, then that's curtains. Well, it's not really a way to run a football club, at least, you know, a modern football <clears> club, <throat> that he might have one game to save his job. Like, we shouldn't be basing the sort of medium-term future of who runs first-team duties at Saints on that. And that is frustrating to me. I can only assume that's bollocks because I, I kind of back the people that are making the decision to not do that. But it does feel like we're playing a bit of a waiting game now. Potentially they're getting in who they want to get in before the announcement's made. But it's a really strange position to be in, isn't it? It is. I mean, I don't think it... If it is that, one game to save his job, I just think it's very... It's one of my least favourite things in football, along with never change a winning team, is one, a manager has one <laughs> game to save his job. It's... Um, yeah, it's not it's not a sound way to run things at all. Yeah. Well, let's get stuck into it. We lost 4-0 on Saturday. Could have been worse had it not been for I think Bazuni's probably maybe for me his best game since joining. Um I thought he was excellent at times. But it kind of went to script in terms of the I guess the underlying uh yeah, patterns of play that we expected to see City dominating. We did fare slightly better than our pre-match predictions. I think you and Coxie thought that we would concede six and I went 5-0. We I never looked we, like... I did say we score. I did say we did score. say we score, which... An error on my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within about 15, 20 minutes, uh, that felt like wishful thinking, given we didn't threaten really at all. Um, yeah, what what can we talk about here? Um, they're really good, aren't they, Man City? Um, <laughs> I think the only thing that went better than expected was Erling Haaland didn't score a hat-trick. I mean, he, he could have done. I mean, he hit the post and then a couple of other chances. It was more by luck than design, I think, that he didn't score a hat-trick. I think I read somewhere that Salisa and Bella Kocak gave him a really tough physical examination, but I mean, I, don't, I didn't see that at all. It was... Um... <laughs> 
I the don't thing think is, they were, they were, I don't think they were that bad. No, they weren't uh, bad. But, no, no, no. But yeah, I mean, it was hardly like you know he, no. you know, it was like he didn't have a sniff. He could have easily bagged a hat trick. Yeah, I think I think there's probably three players that came out of Saturday with with like their their reputations intact, and that was Bazunu, Belakotchap, and Salisov. Everyone else was pretty under par. I know we're, I mean. It's it's a mitigated it's a mitigating thing, isn't it? You look at it. We are playing probably the best team in the in world football at the moment. But I mean, I know obviously Harlan's come in from last season, but we we were very good against them last season at times and caused them issues. Obviously, getting two draws against them, but Saturday just seemed like such a. It feels like the game a sort of game where if I was a Man City fan. And I, home end and you're, and you're wanting to catch an early you want to get a tram home early you'd be like yeah I mean this team aren't going to ca- aren't going to cause any issues are they and there was just no we didn't we didn't lay a glove on them did we we really didn't we didn't have a sniff just on Harlan because I think a lot's been said I believe that Mark Travers is the only goalkeeper to have kept him out this this season when they played Bournemouth at home which I think was the same scoreline did they beat Bournemouth I think they did, um, which is a weird you one. Can't even get in the Bournemouth team. Yeah, he's now been dropped from the Bournemouth team. Uh, yeah, we didn't lay a glove, and I think it, it, we're not going to judge Ralph or this Saints team on games away at the Etihad. Of course not, but it did feel a stark contrast from what happened last season, which I guess is the biggest distinction you can. It's all all we've got to measure that game on. I think. I think City have gone up a gear personally and I think we also caught them at probably two of their worse Premier League performances last year. But we never looked like scoring. There was a Stuart Armstrong shot first half, which was kind of a snapshot, which wasn't a bad effort. And then I think we padded our shot numbers somehow because Romain Perrault took three shots in about four seconds <laughs> uh, in the second half. Um, but yeah, we we never looked like scoring, um, never looked like threatening them. I think you're right on Bazuna and the two centre-halves. Carl Walker-Peters, I know there's been probably a few more, yeah, more informed pieces written in the last couple of days about how his form is, has dipped a little bit. I don't think he was particularly awful, nor I don't think he's been awful this season, but clearly wasn't one of his, his better games. Um, Diallo, I think, is the one of the bigger talking points, I guess, in terms of selection, because I think I think we're just kind of getting to the end of this. Can it work with him and Ward Prowse as those sort of two deeper midfielders? I just ultimately feel like he is a burden to our team and to any fluidity going through the lines. And I kind of feel like you probably think the same. Yeah, I mean, I was sort of surprised. Our shape on Saturday, I was convinced I'd see the see the seam sheet and I'd, I'd see Chiletta Saar, yeah, Salisu and Bella Kotchap all playing along with probably Perrault, Walker Peters, and then I was, I still expected Diallo to probably start because of how much made the Niles struggled against um, against Everton. But yeah, the midfield. I mean, we've harped on about it ever since he got injured, but it's ridiculous how much we're relying on an 18 year old who's played four or five senior games to basically be our saviour and come back and make our midfield solid again. We haven't looked solid, solid since the Chelsea game in midfield. I mean, I remember going to the Wolves game just after he got injured. We were so open at times. 
it was lucky we only lost one nil in that game. But yeah, it's it just shows again. I mean, if we are, I mean, if we let we let Romeo go, fair enough. But you got to have a contingency there for. You can't just think, right? Yeah, okay, we got Lavia now. It's all good. It's you need we need we need another body in there who was a Romeo replacement who maybe a bit more maybe that's where the experience could have come from. Maybe brought in Tretasar, who is a bit more experienced, but I think experienced head in midfield, he could have filled that Romeo void, would would have helped the team out and I mean helped out our captain as well, who is who is really, really struggling this season. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to chat to you about JWB and Stuart Armstrong actually, who I think it's for their I think it's for Foden's goal where he loses the ball. We are kind of breaking at that point. It looked like we maybe could forge some sort of attack. He loses the ball, jogs back relatively slowly. And then I think sort of, yeah, says something as the goal has gone in or raises an arm. A little bit's been made of that again from Saints fans, but he hasn't been good this season. I think there are players that are struggling for their role in the team. JWP included because when Lavia was playing, JWP was further forward. Like if we think about the goal he scored um, at Tottenham, that's not really the sort of goal we typically think of JWP scoring like a late run into the box. And I think he was having more penalty area touches and open play shots than really ever before. And I kind of thought actually that could be quite an interesting role for him. And Similarly, I think the midfield more broadly just looks a little bit lost in terms of what is expected of them with and without the ball. And we are middle of the road in terms of pressing stats and being a pressing team. If you look at our averages across the Premier League compared to other Premier League sides, the midfield do look a little bit confused, I think. And so do our attacking players of when to press and when not to. JWP starts the season, I think, has been average at best. Um, I think the in all four defeats, if we think about the last four games, just not not having a good time of it. He looks slow, looks sluggish. I don't know if there's something up with him at the minute. I don't know if he's slightly disillusioned. I don't know if he maybe is one of the players that ultimately felt like we needed a fresh start, as have been the rumours, but something's not right there. No, it's not. I mean, I, read, I saw someone tweet yesterday, I can't remember who it was, but Talk to myself if Jordan Henderson gets picked ahead of Wall Prowse for the World Cup, it's 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 ridiculous. But I mean, it'd be ridiculous if either of them got picked. To be honest, yeah, like, there must be yeah. there must be other names out there who can. I mean, we've mentioned James Madison last week, but yeah, Wall Prowse at the moment is very lucky for us that well, he's lucky for him that we don't have much of. A, there's no one knocking knocking on the door at all for his place. Like, it's not not anyone knocking on the door for Diallo's place at the moment. Let's be honest and. Um, yeah, our midfield, a big part of our play in the last couple of years when we have looked good has been our midfield with with Will Prowse, Hoyberg before, and then then obviously Romeo. When they, when they tick and look good, it's, it's when we're at our best. And that's not been a case for, well, certainly not at all this season. I mean, we've really struggled at times, apart from when Lavia's been in the team. And even he, he's completely out. Sean Will Prowse, even when Lavia, I hear that. People say, "Oh, Will Prowse is missing Lavia." I don't, I don't. I'm not sure that's the case, really. I'm not sure he was that. Was he? Was he effective when Lavia mm. was in the team? Really? I know. I know. It's really interesting. I was thinking about this. It might be completely sort of random niche thought, right? But the um, Athletic 
tactics podcast did something about players changing positions and like maybe who would they like to see try out a slightly different position and I did think a little bit of James Will Prowse and some of his positions he was taking up earlier on in the season I think he is too slow and too passive a passer to play in the current position he's playing in like deeper central midfield and I think Lavia kind of, as you said, maybe covered over some of those gaps earlier on in the season. And I think Romeo has probably done the same in terms of being that like stable, deeper lying central midfielder. I don't think that is his best position. And I think about when he looks most threatening for us as an attacking player, it is kind of being probably set that ball back to cross in from the like inside right channel. If you think about the Spurs goals from last season, that we scored. If you think about Shea's winner against um, Leicester, like this season, that I feel like is his most dangerous area. And we kind of really labour those kind of opportunities or it's quite a rare occurrence that he's really in that spot. And it sounds kind of mad, but I would like to see him probably just be unshackled from those defensive duties. It's certainly not going to happen under Ralph, but I, I personally don't think that's his best position. You think about some of the things that he's, he's never on this level, of course, right? So before I get people coming at me for this, but think about what KDB does being like played that ball in to either cross, like going round the winger or being set the ball back, like maybe Trent would or something like his technique crossing a football is exquisite. Like that's his best skill. And some of his worst skills, I think, are how slow he is. Like, he really doesn't get to the ball first often. He gets bypassed a lot. For Jao Cancelo's opener on Saturday, he gets done very, very easily and turns his back. I don't think he's defensively that solid. So I was thinking, that podcast kind of sparked this thinking of mine that I really don't think we're getting the best out of him where he's playing. No, and you do wonder whether... A midfield three would have probably helped him this season. If we, I mean, for argument's sake, if Romeo had stayed, he could have had a Romeo and a Lavia playing up behind behind him, or another another person to come in. But yeah, it's, it's been a real struggle for him. Also, we need to say about that that channel where he gets into a Walker Peters pass it back to him or whoever whoever's playing there. I've noticed I've, I've sort of kept an eye on the last couple of games of some areas I've been at that teams have really cottoned onto that. They do not let Will Prowse either have the ball in that channel or they get really, really tight to him. So he doesn't have that sort of space to cross. You know, it's um, Obviously, it's worked for us a few times. Spurs away being the prime example, Leicester this season. But yeah, teams are really cottoned on to that. And we need to, I mean, we need to, he needs to get some more strings to, to his bow. And also, so I mean, Spurs the team, really, we just don't have any creativity, do we? Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting that you spotted that. And something that, makes it work so well for some of the best teams in the world is that they've got elite dribblers and ball carriers where we just don't have anyone really that can carry we the have ball. Any yeah, exactly. He came on. He just frustrates the shit out of me. I really, I'm so done with that. And that was what was exciting about someone like Yadozi. Like he seems to have the balance and poise to be able to go past people. <laughs> and I think Aribo kind of has that as well. Like at least he can do that and like stand up a man and maybe commit yeah. someone before playing someone else in. Our football's so static because we just don't have anyone like that. Um, Sam, I think we've discussed enough, a game that really won't mean a great deal for our season and many better teams and Saints will get taken apart at the Etihad. Um, let's just pause and talk about the Ralph situation. We touched on it as we started the pod. 
like, I guess, what are your thoughts as we come out of that game? Probably not so different to before we went into them, but we now have six days until we face West Ham. Do you ultimately think he's going to still be in the dugout come Sunday? Um, yeah, I, I do actually. I mean, as I said to you last week, that I think that this was the prime. This is the prime opportunity to do it. I don't know why we're hanging on. There's no. I mean, if it's if if the club are lining him up, lining up to go, just get rid. If we, if, if you said like you said to me before, whether we're um, waiting for the for the person to be available to come in, or we're trying to get a deal over the line. Even if that's the case, I think we should, he should be gone and someone else should be put in charge for the next couple of games because it's just going to leave things in such a messy situation where, I mean, say we lose, for argument's sake, we lose this Saturday to West Ham. Sorry, Sunday. And um, what, what happens then? What do you sack him on Sunday night and then someone's in for Bournemouth? I can't see it. It's, what, 72 hours between the two games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, we, if he was to go now, then someone like... Ruben Sellers or one of the coaches start takes takes the team for for the West Ham game has a week to prepare and has a go at that game and then hope then maybe someone comes into Bournemouth or worst case scenario Arsenal but now it's going to be I mean if it is one the whole one game of Saviour's job thing is ridiculous because what happens on Sunday if we play terribly West Ham absolutely batter us but say Bazuno has a blinder and then we nick one on the counter attack or a free kick or a penalty, we we just win one nil last minute or something like that. Does he? What? He, so he 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 keeps his job then. But say we played really well, like the energy's there. We played really well, but then we we get done the other way by a lot like, like a lucky goal or a penalty or a free kick from from them. So he goes then. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. It's just it's just it's, a nonsense it's, situation. It's mad. It, it is silly. And like I am very respectfully. Ralph out and I don't want like any vitriol or, or kind of hate directed towards no, the man no. I think you know he's done a, a pretty decent job I think all things considered for four years kept us afloat his win percentage is you know nearly as good as the likes of Pochettino's was in its time here we've not played as exciting football of course we haven't Pochettino's an elite coach <laughs> Ralph I think is is a level below that but done a fine job but now is the time to do it. And I wanted to talk to you about the kind of relevant strength of the league right now and where maybe we can see Saints faring at some of the weaker sides because I think we both agree we'll probably be down there. But I I actually don't trust us to pick up any points in the next three games. (laughs) And if, if the ownership see it a similar way, who knows what we could get out of, you know, in inverted commas, a new manager bounce not necessarily a new manager bounce in terms of having the replacement lined up, but maybe it seems like Sellers is taking a lot of the bloody sessions anyway. Let Sellers do it for a couple of weeks. See see what happens. Like, I feel like we, we've seen this story play out before. We, I think we ultimately know that I, I don't think it ends very well. I can see us losing both home games at least and potentially not getting three points at, at Bournemouth as well. So we've got West Ham on Sunday and then I think it must be the following Sunday as well that we play... Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal, yeah, yeah. I, I just can't see us picking up, you know, three points in in any of those fixtures right now. Yeah, I mean the sellers things. I, I do hear quite a bit about. I'll oh, give him the job or give him the job till the World Cup. But I think 
a game or maybe maybe the West Ham ball games if you if was to go now I think that'd be fine yes but yeah 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't want want him to be given the job on any sort of extended period as good a coach as he is we've seen this before at Saints with Stuart Gray and Steve Wigley which hasn't gone well granted it's a long long time ago but I've still got flashbacks to that Steve Wigley tenure in um in 2004-05 where ultimately we ended up getting relegated and Who's to say the same wouldn't happen again at the moment? In terms of the relative strength of the league, I think we've been where well, we've stood still the last well, stood still is probably being kind the last couple of years. We've been bypassed by the likes of Crystal Palace. I mean, Brighton are streets ahead of us now. Um, Newcastle, obviously, I mean, that's that's the anomaly, isn't it? They've been taking over now the richest club in the world. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if even they got in the top six this season, to be, to be honest. And um yeah, yeah. It's hard to. I mean, you think. I know they're much. They're a bigger club than we are, but our trajectory and West Ham's trajectory has been pretty similar. Obviously, we got promoted together, but they've obviously gone. They've skyrocketed into the much more investment. I mean, that's what a lot of it comes down to. Clubs have been invested. I mean, look at even Bournemouth this this week getting taken over by a new by an American investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be another club that leaves us behind. If they get the infrastructure in, say that say a new training ground or a stadium, that could that could affect our even our youth teams because if, if Bournemouth end up getting a better infrastructure than us and biggest biggest stadium, better training ground, they could poke they could poach the the good the big good youngsters from the area. Um, yeah, it's it's very very difficult to see how we compete at the moment. Yeah, it really is, and I think there's probably a couple of teams that maybe we anticipated being stronger than they are. I appreciate Leicester haven't invested anything across the summer, really, apart from, I think, one or two signings. Villa have been poor. We've beaten one of those sides and lost to the other. But I, I'm kind of thinking, are there three worse teams in the league than us right now, just in terms of where we are at and where other teams are at? I mean, you, you, you bring up Bournemouth, and I guess we're playing them in just over a week's time. So it makes sense to to pause there. They are above the team that beat them 9-0 now and haven't lost a game under Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill's still in charge, isn't he? I'm pretty yeah. sure he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think we kind of anticipated a side like Bournemouth being rock bottom at this point. Of course, that goes to Forest. They have put their faith in Cooper, a name that we mentioned last time and weirdly was linked in the press I think with us over the last seven days never really much legs in that rumour in my opinion but it's just hard to see us not being right in that scrap and other teams are, are picking up points and Fulham have had a better start to the season than I think many anticipated as well they've struggled of late but like it's not going to be easy to remain in this division there will not be a side I don't think that is ranked bottom unless Forrest really you know, <laughs> capitulate in the way that they have been. Although if Forest win tonight, they go level on points with us. So, yeah, sort of, um, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll have seven points. Yeah. So yeah, I. I mean, the I mean, the one Cynthia do have for Ralph in the summer was the, the striker issue. He he banged on. I mean, many many times that we needed a new striker. But then again, the way we are playing at the moment, how much say say there was a new striker in, or say Bro just starts to stayed and for another year, would would the table look that much different for us? Would 
what what's what this the, the creativity in the team is so lackluster. I don't see how having a, a a different striker up there instead of Adams would be would be that that much more positive for us. I know, I know. I think it's just the thing you, you know, on Adams. Like he's never been that out and out goal scorer. Armstrong hasn't proven himself either at this level in any by any means. Like having some kind of foil that we could rely on maybe for goals, similar to what we did with things, would clearly make a difference, right? But I think, and this comes back to the Ralph discussion, one of the biggest problems that I think most Saints fans aren't can't see beyond right now is that the performances haven't been good enough. And yeah. like we I think sometimes neutral fans or people that don't watch us enough still think that we play this like really attacking, pressing brand of football. And, and that is quite far away from the truth. Like we we don't create enough. And a lot of our chances often come from set pieces or James Ward Prowse pulling something out of the out the bag. And uh, yeah, I think the striker situation would would make a, a difference. Of course it would, but like I think we need wholesale change in terms of how we play to get the best out of, I think, a talented crop of of youngsters that we're bringing through. I think we still need far more strengthening. Of course we do. Um, I actually mentioned this on Twitter again, but almost as exciting for me in terms of where our transfer policy may lay across the next few years under Sports Republic. Um, Gonzalo Ramos and uh, Cody Gakpo have started the season genuinely incredibly. <laughs> Two of the best young strikers in, in European football right now. I mean, Gakpo is likely to go to a team much better than us or Leeds. I've seen those links kind of resurface for Leeds, but it's very unlikely Leeds will get a signing like Cody Gakpo. But Ramos has been excellent as well and will probably go on to bigger and better things. So at least <laughs> at least we're thinking about the that position in, in the right way. Um Sam, anything to add on the, the league? We've got a couple of other topics to discuss and then we'll also preview the, the West Ham fixture as well. No, just on um, the team, really, just uh, I think a lot of it's intensity. There's just such a big lack of it at the moment with us. It's like, as you said, the way we used to play, or well, it seems like a long time ago, we were, high, we're a high pressing team. Get us, I mean, I went there for the Everton game and you just, it just feels so flat. The stadium feels flat. I mean, I'm not never saying St Mary's had the best atmosphere anyway, but the same just feels so flat at the moment. But the way we play is just so flat. We just don't. There's just no intensity at all, and there's nothing to get excited about really. I mean, and I can't, I can't really see it change at the moment while while Ralph is still there. I mean, maybe, it, maybe it just needs a fresh voice. Yeah, that is. Very much how I feel about it. We are at home, talking of being at St Mary's on Sunday. There is a situation that's happened with, it's block one, isn't it, Sam, with Itchen North? Just explain for the listeners what's happened. There were missiles thrown during the Everton game and it's led to a closure. Is that right, of, of a block in the Itchen North? So it's all started in the summer where there were comms going out. Not, I, I wasn't privy to them because so I sit in the Northern Stand, but there was, I mean, go around on Twitter, and there was emails that were sent to um, fans that sit in the itching, itching north, and um, saying basically about there's been loads of anti anti-social behaviour in that area between the home fans and the away fans. 
so they reduced the capacity of it of, of block one to um by 25 percent and they said oh, if there's any more um any more trouble in that area or like incidents then they'll, they'll, they'll reduce it even further and all of a sudden a couple of days ago i saw that yeah, block one has now been closed for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Obviously, it's one of where some of our more vocal fans sit, along with the Northern Stands. Block one, two, and three are, are some of our most vocal fans sit there. And yeah, it just seems very, very odd. I mean, it said that there was exactly 27 missiles thrown um, that day between the Itchen North and the away fans. They didn't specify if it was all home fans or away fans or or vice versa. And it just seems like they've, um, yeah, they've just done the easy thing rather than reduce the biggest away allocation that is given out in the league of 3,300. They've taken out a block of about a couple of hundred. It just seems very, very strange to me. It does. It does. And I can really sympathise with a lot of Saints fans that also sit in that area, but maybe not specifically in that block. But also, as you said, it's your north. It is a source of some of what is an okay atmosphere at St Mary's, I'd probably call it. And we're diminishing that. We seem more hospitable to away fans than home fans. And given some of the issues that we've discussed on this podcast and privately before around clearly away fans sitting in the home end, like, does seem like they're picking their battles in a slightly strange way to penalise Saints fans in this case. Just an, an odd situation. Yeah, I mean, the logical thing to do would be to um, reduce the away allocation for West Ham and Arsenal for the next couple of weeks from 3,300 to 2,800, maybe by about 500. So less chance of trouble the court there's, there's not as many away fans towards that corner but instead they just got rid of those the home fans it just seems very very short-sighted and um just alienates more of our fan base who at the moment are getting very very dis- disillusioned with how things are at the club and yeah it just as I, as you said yes hit the nail on the head by saying that we're so hospi- hospitable to to away fans it's it's crazy like in the home in the home end or the away end i mean <laughs> one of the big things about this new security thing is to have no like um pyrotechnics or or um flares in the um in the stadium and when we played man united a few weeks ago there was a there was a flare and then a couple of days later the saints official website puts out a gallery from the game and there's a picture of the the man united fan with the flare just just on the on the official saints gallery yeah 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 so so weird it. yeah yeah yeah, just not joined up at all in its thinking and does seem very odd. Um, Before Sunday's game, which we will touch on before we wrap up, there's a big game tomorrow night for our B team. We are at Fratton Park, a B team which has been in fine form this season. I believe we are third in the Premier League two right now. A lot of our very talented young players are performing consistently at that level. I'm thinking of Ballard, JJ Morgan, Cammy Doyle now is back from injury as well. Luke Pierce has kept up good goal scoring form as well. Um, yeah, I don't. So the fixture is in the Hampshire Senior Cup, is it? Is it Hampshire, Hampshire Senior, Senior Cup? Cup? Okay, sorry. Is it Pompey's? combination of their first and, and B team or, or, or first under um, I'm not too sure actually but yeah it's um, obviously 
it doesn't sound like there's that many tickets been sold, but I imagine there'd be a few going down from Southampton to, um, yeah, yeah, and watch it. Well, it will be a good experience for the B team. I think a few of them have been on the the official site talking about it as well, and and yeah, I'm really excited by a few players there. We've also um, confirmed, I think, since we last potted the signing of one of the uh, Spurs uh, youngsters that we were very heavily linked with in in the summer as well, and we just seem to be yeah at that age group now kicking on again where there's been quite a lot of stagnation and players that could well be knocking on the door of course Ballard scored in the first uh, in our first game in the, of the league cup this season as well so yeah I think there are calls for potentially someone like a Ballard to be on the bench at least in a Premier League squad very soon I mean if we can if we're moving on to the West Ham game we could do a lot worse on, on Sunday than I mean it's not Seki Mara has not worked so far this season Adam Armstrong looks out of his depth, why not give Don Ballard a go as a last throw of the dice from Ralph on Saturday? Put him up front with Trey Adams and just see what happens. I mean, could be a genuinely. lot, could do a lot worse. Yeah, I, I genuinely think we could. The goal that he scored last Tuesday, which was, I believe, in the PL Trophy, don't quote me on that, but he's just got that knack, like that goal scorer's knack. You see it that I think will ultimately, yeah, translate to a higher level. Um, but yeah. We will talk now, Sam, for the last couple of minutes about the West Ham fixture. How do you see it going? It's going to be a tough game. I mean, they, they've not had quite an indifferent start to the season. Obviously, they'll be coming off a European game on Thursday. I'm not too sure. I should have probably looked who they were playing. I'll quickly do that on my phone whilst I talk. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tough game. They're, um, as I said, they started the season quite patchily, but. Um, if that's a word, patchily. Go with it. <laughs> um, Why not? Start this... Yeah. Um, yeah. They've got some very, very good players. I mean, it's all, it's all, I think it's very, very likely that their captain will probably be going for over a hundred million pounds at the end of the season. They've, they've spent a hell of a lot of money on I mean, players like Paqueta, who looks, looks, looks a player. Cornet, Skamaka, who's suddenly got into his stride. Um, is it Tilo Kerr they signed from PSG as well? Um, They're at home, <laughs> Sam, unfortunately, on Thursday night. That is a shame. These, yeah, when you play these European Thursday night gang, you hope that they've been to some far-flung Eastern European yeah, nation. Carabag away or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah, no, I'm no, afraid it's not. It's, it's Anderlecht at home, which I guess in terms of the quality of the side they're playing, yeah, yeah better than yeah other sides they could have faced, right? Yeah, they've just got quality, they've got quality all over the pitch. And I mean, they've suddenly hit their stride a bit. Obviously, one one against Fulham at the weekend. And I mean, obviously, last season we sort of had the wood over them a little bit. But before that, we had an absolutely abysmal record against West Ham. And I can see that continuing this weekend. I think, I mean, our midf- the midfield battles will be big. And as I said before the Everton game against Onana and Gay. I think we probably lose the midfield battle this weekend as well against Rice, Socek, Paqueta, Lanzini, Fornells. They, they're all just very, very good players. We usually let Declan Rice will probably run the game. We need to be right in his face and try and get the ball off him. Then you've obviously got the power of Antonio up front. Whether he starts or not, I'm not too sure because I know Skamaka has been starting the last couple of games. Started yesterday, I think. Yeah. Um, Jared Bowen's an excellent player. They just, yeah, it's going to be a very, very tough game. Yeah, I think their their patchy start to the season was 
I think it's probably indicative of a little bit of a hangover from last year and also integrating quite a lot of new signings. But we touched on them playing on a Thursday night. The strength and depth they've got now, specifically in attacking positions, they can afford to, well, rest an Antonio or a Skamaka if he's going to be their starting striker, which probably looks like he is now, and play Antonio for most of the game on a Thursday, for instance, which, like, not, I don't think many clubs that we expect to maybe finish not in the top six can really do that. So they've just got a good strength in depth. And as you said about Paqueta, I think he'll yeah, kick on to be probably in that same bracket of maybe a, a, a Guimaraes or, or one of those players that's come over from Ligue 1 and, and taken to the Premier League very well. I think we'll struggle. I think it's going to be a really tough game. Um, and unless we see a vast improvement on what we've seen in the last four matches... I can see us getting beat. Yeah, I mean, certainly right now, I don't see how we win the game. I just think they've, they're they probably better than us in most departments all over, all over the pitch. I mean, I can't read. If you did a 1-11, to 11, I don't see how any of our players get in their team, which is a bit of a worry when it's not it's not like they were playing against the Man City. That's, I mean, Will Prowse doesn't get in their team, does he? I mean, not over Rice and Socek at the moment. And that's probably the only player we can really really that, that strong for us. Essentially, KWP as well. at right back. I'm trying to think who they would normally play. I don't really rate Sue Fowl that much. I think Kara's maybe played well, there a little it? bit. Yeah, Johnson's played there somewhat. But yeah, it's going to be a really difficult day at the office. Are there any, in terms of the lineup and what you would want to see, maybe versus what you expect to see, any players that you feel should play more minutes than they have been recently? I think... I bring this up because I'm thinking of players that maybe haven't featured so much and we might expect them to do more. Idozi was ill. My understanding was why he wasn't in the match day squad on Saturday. I would expect him to be involved again. Um, but do you think it will be Diallo and, and James Will Prowse as the central midfield too if we go with that system? Uh, do you want who I want to play or who I expect to play? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are you asking me or telling me? Um, so, yeah, you, you, you choose, Sammy. Um, I expect we'll see Will Prout and Diallo. I expect we'll see Elianusi back in the team. And I expect... Please, no. Che Adams will probably start up front with Adam Armstrong. And I expect it to be very, very much the same. What I, what, what I would like to see, I'd like to see, like, like I said just to, to you now, I wouldn't mind, why, why not just give... Like like when we brought Josh Sims in that time against Everton, just and he had a really good game. Just give Don Ballard a go. Why why the hell not? <laughs> I mean, he can't do any worse than what the other guys have done. Um, in terms of midfield, we said about Wall Prowse and Diallo. There's not not many other options, is there? Unless Lavia makes some sort of remarkable recovery this week, I just can't. Yeah, what is the what is the latest on that injury? My my understanding is that it will likely be the end of this month. He's should be back playing, but has there been any update? It was six weeks, wasn't it, from the um from the Chelsea game, which yeah. was the end of August. So it shouldn't be that far off now, unless he has he has had a setback. But yeah, yeah. Oh God, I'd love to see that guy back in a Saint show. I mean, like think about who there's been to get excited about in terms of performance level, Mara had a wonderful cameo against Leeds, but it's probably kind of flattered to deceive since then. 
Idozi, again, amazing cameo against Wolves, but hasn't really featured a great deal since then. Aribo's shown flashes, but Lavia, every game he played, he was above an eight out of 10. Like that was the really exciting thing about our start to the season alongside better performances. Like the, the names you just reeled off <laughs> fills me with fucking dread. Yeah, so I think Lavia and Balakoc have obviously been the three most exciting players course, we've had this yeah, season. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's hard to get too excited about centre back, but yeah, well, I mean very, to be good. fair, there's a good you raise a good point. Out of any centre back to get excited about, he is the sort of one that you should do really. Like he yeah, he was definitely. has been excellent. Yeah, apart from that, I think it's been much of a muchness, and but just don't think there's that many options really. There's no one really banging in the door down, is there, to to take people's places. What you what you gonna do if you drop Diallo? Bring him, make the Niles. You struggle against Everton. Yeah, and I think you, uh, you you spoke about intensity. You sp- spoke about intensity earlier, like that. I feel like that's feeding through fans, the whole squad, players when they come on. Do they really care about <laughs> making so much of an impact? Like, is there care for what we're doing here? And I, I think you can point fingers here, there, and everywhere. Whether it's investment. Ralph, the players themselves, which I think is is fair enough to do that. The the most natural change now needs to be made. I don't think it's going to be made before Sunday, but I think we just go into that game expecting much of a muchness because the same man is in the dugout. And unfortunately, that's the way that football works. Like that, that's what we need to do, and that's the change that needs to happen, in my opinion. Yeah, like we both like we, we both agree on that we don't see it happening before Sunday. If you're not going to sack him after you lose, lose to Everton, why would you sack him after a 4 0 defeat against the best team in the world? And then again, why would you, yeah. then, then you go and sack him two days before a game against Bournemouth? I, mean, I, just, I just, don't, just don't really get the thinking. Yeah. Least. Yeah. All right, Samuel, let's wrap. Um, before we do, three fixtures coming up. We are at home to West Ham, as we've discussed, away at Bournemouth and at home to Arsenal. How many points are we taking from those three games? Uh, I think we'll lose 3-1 to West Ham. I think we'll lose 1-0 to Bournemouth and I think we'll lose 2-0 to Arsenal. So I think we'll get no points in those three games. That's a big fat zero. I'm going to go one point and I think that will come at the vitality. Positive. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, fine. So we predicted, I think, 6-1, 6-0, 5-0 losses against City. And we're now predicting 0 and 1 points for our next three games. Arsenal look really good as well. I'm fearing for that Sunday fixture in, yeah, what, nearly two weeks' time? Yeah. Will they compete with City, do you think? Uh, no, I think City will, will go out or... Um go out in front at some point soon and then go out even further in front as the season progresses. Yeah. Relined on that, as we are on most stuff that we discuss this pod. Maybe next pod we'll just throw in some weird opinions to just start Just start arguing. Start throwing. Yeah, exactly. Arsenal fan TV style from through the years. Um, Mate, pleasure to talk all things Saints, even though slightly grim. (laughs) reading in terms of both the table and watching right now uh but listener thank you for saying the course sam any final words before we wrap up let's hope the week's a bit more positive than we've than we've been with our predictions <laughs> yeah enjoy your week listener we'll be back next week to discuss the west ham game and we'll try and squeeze the pod in before the bournemouth fixture as well so we can 
preview that in full. Um, but yeah, thanks for staying with us and speak to you next week. 